Hi guys, uh, hi everybody. I'm super excited for, for uh, today's webinar because uh, it's another webinar we are doing with 500 startups. This uh, ongoing collaboration with 500 startups started uh, last year and uh, this is our third webinar already and it's been a success uh, since uh, the first uh, webinar. I'm super excited to speak about uh, the very challenging topic actually. Uh, D2C, uh, uh, building a D2C brand. Uh, you know, direct to consumer is, uh, uh, it sounds easy, but it's definitely not an easy uh, thing uh, to build. And uh, many large companies, even uh, that uh, try to build uh, D2C brands, fail. And um, today we have uh, a, a bright entrepreneur that uh, uh, graduated from 500 startups and uh, uh, she built a successful, amazing company uh, going through challenges uh, and uh, achieving a great success. And I'll let um, uh, my partner, uh, Kate, uh, to introduce her. I have a few words about the community who are first time uh, on our uh, webinar. Five hundred startups and uh, GoGoBall are partnering with one simple uh, mindset. We want uh, entrepreneurship to spread around the world. We truly believe that everyone should has, uh, have equal access to basic knowledge of uh, to how uh, how to start uh, global companies, access to network, and access to uh, opportunities to raise capital. And uh, us and uh, five hundred, we are sharing these values. Uh, or to become a member of, of um, Go Global World, uh, you just need to uh, go on our website, goglobal.world, or uh, find us on all social media like Facebook, uh, Telegram, uh, LinkedIn, and just subscribe. I'll share the links on uh, Zoom chat, and you guys will be able to actually enter, subscribe, and so on. And on this note, I would like to pass uh, the word to Kate. P Kate, please tell us a few words about 500 and uh, please uh, give us some uh, more information about Susanna. Thank you. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, evening, whatever time zone you're at. Um, I'm Kate and I'm part of the investment team at 500 Startups and we are super excited uh, to have this event today. Super excited to introduce amazing Susanna to you. Just before I introduce our incredible speaker, would love to mention a few words about 500 in case someone doesn't know. Uh, 500 Startups is a venture firm and business accelerator. We um, support and invest in founders around the world. We've been on the market for over 10 years now invested in over 2,500 companies in some, over 70 countries around the globe. Um, in our portfolio, we have uh, 22 unicorns as of the end of last year and um, uh, 109 centaurs, uh, just in case it's the companies with valuation over 100 million. Um, we typically invest in early stage, pre-seed, seed stage companies, um, industry agnostic and geo-agnostic. And um, it's been a year now since we changed our format. So right now we have rolling basis acceptance. So our applications are open um, all year round. If you're interested, feel free to apply. We would love to see international companies um, and applications are open at 500.co. All right, uh, I see messages coming in, greetings from Ukraine. Thank you guys. I'm actually from Ukraine, so happy to see Fox uh, joining from Ukraine as well. <laughs> and now would love with pleasure to introduce our today's speaker, Susanna. Uh, Susanna is the CEO and founder of Pluto. Pluto is um, a first and only custom sleep pillow that uh, is being crafted basically, I, I can tell based on my experience because I have Pluto, I sleep on a Pluto pillow every night and honestly it's changed my life <laughs> in terms of sleeping. So uh, I, of course, Susanna will be best to introduce her company just quickly. Pluto is a G2C product. It's a custom pillow that is being generated online based on your preferences. So you fill out the application form, answer the questions, um, about your preferences and you have a custom pillow shipped to you. 
Susanna uh, went through our program, I believe a year ago. So she's now our amazing um, 500 alumni. Before I pass the mic to Susanna, I just wanted to mention a quick um, interesting facts about Susanna and Pluto. So they actually grew 10 eggs after, uh, since they joined 500 startups program. And they were able uh, to triple, um, basically their growth triple digit every single year since they launched. And uh, they were able to uh, have over 500 articles, press articles without using any PR firms. So they were listed in Forbes, a business insider, Wall Street Journal, and many, many others. And one extra bonus, I want to mention that Susanna is a really, really impressive presenter. Uh, you'll, you'll see it today. But I remember when she first joined, typically on our welcome night, we asked founders to pitch their company so we can re record them and then show it to them at the end of the program to kind of see the difference. And when Susanna went on stage, you were like, oh my gosh, she doesn't need to go through the program. She's already so amazing. <laughs> that being said, Susanna, please um, introduce yourself. Uh, tell us about Pluto. Um, tell us about what inspired you to, to launch and start Pluto and what was your original goal with it? Yeah, no pressure. That was a great intro. Um, so. <laughs> Before I kind of jump into it um, and introduce myself, I just want to share that like 500 has really um, impacted our business and personally um, my life. So I hope to bring some of that 500 magic to our conversation today. Um, and so uh, quickly, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Pluto, like Kate said. We are the first and only custom sleep pillow that's crafted to your body stats, how you sleep and what you like. We launched in mid-2018 and we're based out in Los Angeles, California. Um, and we really uh, started the company from more of a personal pain point. Um, I had uh, started experiencing really bad neck pain in 2017 and um, kind of going through uh, the point where, you know, I love cars and um, I, I, I love to drive and to the point where I couldn't turn my neck while driving. That was when I was like, I have to, you know, solve this problem. I went to a physical therapist and that was the first time I learned how important a pillow can be to proper neck alignment. Um, and then at the time, it's like, you know, you go to these stores like Bed Bath & Beyond and you see walls of pillows and you're like, which one is good for me? You're like squeezing pillows through dirty plastic bags and you take it home and it's completely not like what you felt in stores. Or you go on Amazon, there's like 80,000 pillows on Amazon. Like what makes one different from another in terms of like, why is one side sleeper pillow different from another? So kind of, you know, long story short, um, there were so many mattress companies launching that pillows were such an afterthought, yet it's also a product that every single person needs. And so we were thinking, how can we, you know, take a more scientific data-driven approach to this purchasing experience and like 10x the experience, 10x the materials that have been traditionally used and start a company. And so um, I talked to my co-founder, Kevin, about it at the time, and um, we launched in 10 months um, and uh, we are here in our facility next to this wall is where we create all pillows to order. We ship across the U.S. Um, and yeah, ever since then, uh, we joined 500 and we've been growing ever since. So. Wonderful. That's an exciting story. I mean, really, really interesting. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Yeah, before, before we continue, everyone uh, uh, is already, uh, many, some people already asking questions. Please ask these questions in the Q&A section. And uh, anyone who wants to actually uh, uh, verbally ask a question, just raise your hand and we'll let you speak uh, after we finish this uh, main part. And everyone who is on live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and other social media, including Clubhouse, uh, you can uh, write your questions in there. We will read them on Clubhouse. Raise your hand. We'll let you speak. And uh, let's continue. <laughs> yeah, just a quick reminder, actually, that thank you, Daniil. Um, ask your questions. And then at the end, Susanna has some bonus giveaways. <laughs> She'll choose one question that kind of, not, uh, gen um, kind of was the closest and the 
the one that caught her eye and attention the most, she will choose that question and she prepared something that she'll announce um, at the end of our event. So feel free to, to actively start asking questions. All right. Uh, yeah, so let's start uh, talking about, you know, since we are talking about G2C, um, two main parts, right? Um, I would like to start with talking about um, brand, right? Because G2C, I believe like one, two kind of, and you tell us of course, but two main things is basically brand and product, right? So let's start with, with brand. Um, like, what does it take to, to actually build a strong D2C brand? Uh, what are some of the fundamentals probably for D2C business in general? Yeah, um, so like for us, it was a lot about in the beginning, um, when you think about brand, right, it's more than like a logo or a font or a gradient background. Um, it's really like getting very clear on what your values are and why you started the company. Like for me, it started from a personal pain point and I was just creating a product experience that I myself would buy. So I was the target customer. Um, and so we have to really think about how we can marry and combine um, the functional with the emotional part of the brand. And so um, for us, the brand was all about like really creating and um, fostering a human connection with the customer. Like, how does this brand make me feel? Am I super pumped to share it over dinner with my family and friends? Um, and, um, and kind of that combined with having a great product, like that's just, your product has to live up to the table stakes of actually like performing to the brand. Um, and so that combined with like defensibility has been like the most important part for us. Got it. Uh, and for, for a product, speaking of product, right? How you define the great product? Like what are the key characteristics for the good, really good quality product? It is really for me, there are a couple of things. Um, it's solving a key problem. So for us, in the beginning, it's like, we don't really need another pillow like to throw into the 80,001 pillow, right? Um, we want to be something that's like category defining. And um, it's starting off with, you know, a product again, that really delivers and has um, a broad appeal. So for us, it was really like, how do you see um, that the product is taking off? I'm a huge believer in um, word of mouth and garnering like referrals and recommendations and that organic growth. Um, and then is this something that again, like maybe does press wanna write about it? Um, is there an interesting angle here that you want to, that you wanna share? Um, and it's really like, you know, does your product really have what it takes to be a key differentiator in the space? Absolutely. All right. Um, I have another one um, about uh, customer development. So how to run customer development, especially in the remote world that we live in now? Um, uh, and, and one of the um, uh, key elements of our uh, communities that our entrepreneurs here are uh, from around the world. And uh, most of them are, are try targeting uh, like Western countries, specifically United States. And now during COVID time, of course, uh, nobody, uh, almost, almost no one can travel and meet the customers personally. Uh, and uh, I'm sure even being in the United States, uh, this is an issue. So how would you do this customer development remotely? Please give us some practical insights if you may. Yes, um, so you have to start off with like who you feel initially, like who your customer is. Um, and then um, for us, like we weren't really, you know, going, you know, at that time, like we were doing some interviews with customers, but right now definitely with COVID, it's a little different. Um, but then like having a pulse on who your customer is and then um, cultural relevancy around that um, and then tailoring your message to that. So I would feel like right now there's a couple of general, general tips. One is like you could create a landing page of exactly what you're, you know, creating and like try to garner these like 
you know, first cu couple of like email addresses and like reach out and like talk to them as you're developing your product. And then, or you could start off with like, you know, during 500, um, we were running different like Facebook and Instagram ads, just super scrappily and seeing like who responds to it. And then um, kind of going from there, identifying who that target key first initial early adopter is. Um, so I would say that um, that's definitely um, kind of difficult to depending on like what your product is, what your brand is and who your audience is. There are some creative out of the box ways that you could definitely, you know, try and get those first couple of customers and first 10 sales even, right? Yeah, are there any tools you can recommend like for, you know, reaching out to customers for customers interviews, for example, maybe like anything comes comes to your mind. So an uh, entrepreneur can like Google and find something uh, that, that they can use or maybe like specific, like simple tools. We, we did it super really rough um, at mm -hmm. the time. Like we just created like this landing page with like exactly what we were creating and we got those emails and we reached out cold to these people who first initially signed up, who were excited to be like, what, what is this product that you guys are launching? And just talking to them one-on-one -on -one, and now it's so easy through Zoom. Um, and then you can also, you know, use tools like Lunch Club even to like talk to other people who may be in that demographic or psychograph of your customer target audience and, and share a little bit about what you're developing. Um, yeah, there's really no kind of one or one specific right answer but um, well, this I, is actually I, I a great answer about landing page and then uh, you collected in for customer information the one of the outcome for me out of this question that uh reaching uh, out customers one by one uh, is actually your uh competitive advantage because you're already speaking with your customer just spend your time with them because they got interested with your product all right i mean this is a uh, your your own uh, practical uh case that's great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely starting with, um, and that's one of the things like it's, it's for us, it was such a slow burn in the beginning. It wasn't, it wasn't easy and we were bootstrapped for the first year plus. And so like that, that was like, really, you had to quickly find out like what works for your business. And it was doing things that wasn't necessarily scalable in the beginning but like kind of waiting, you know, like to see if there's like that product market fit and then like doing things the super hard way, which is like talking to customers. And once you reach a certain point, I'm trying to think like when that was, but then it definitely was like, oh, like, you know, this, this is working out, uh, but it was rough in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, let's dig in a bit more. So now you have your Brand, you have your beautiful product, you have your wait list, you reached out to customers, right? Um, now let, let's talk a bit more about marketing. Um, are there any specific strategies? Like what worked for you in your case? Uh, did you have to do any A-B testing, you know, in terms of finding the right marketing strategy that works for you, for your product, for your brand? Um, we... A-B tested so much, especially um, not even in the beginning, but when we were in 500. And that was one of the things that 500 was so helpful for us. And um, we tested like everything from like our website colors. Um, so just in the beginning, like we never worked with like any agency or any anybody to like form the site itself. Like it was just me and my co-founder who created kind of the site and the design of the packaging and the product and everything. And so like we had a lot to test. And so uh, one of the things is like we tested our hero image. We tested different header, header texts on our website to see like which would convert more. And then um, kind of really were data driven that way and to see like how people, you know, when they went through the site, how they kind of navigated. And then we tested everything from like different ad copies during our time at 500, um, kind of putting a little bit of money into like different, you know, Google keywords. And um, to this day, we, we also keep, keep testing it out. And so I would say like, it's very important to A-B test in the beginning and continue to do so um, even as you scale. And, you know, as you have like a bigger sample size of more customers coming to your site, you'll see more clearly kind of what works best for your brand and product. Yeah, um, but in the end of the day, um, um, in the end of the day, uh, winning the hearts and minds of customers uh, or like, you know, 
fostering customer obsession um, is super important. How do you win your customers, like their minds, so they select your product? What makes you so special unique for them? Yeah, um, it is. It's definitely combining again a really great product, product experience. Um, with like customer service and experience going above and beyond with that. And then really weaving um, kind of the storytelling even of why we started and what problems we're solving because like we may not be the pillow for everyone, right? But it's like um, what then who are we kind of creating this product for? And then um, it's all about like cultural relevancy. So again, like marrying um, or uh, combining that like emotional element of the brand with a great product and cultural relevancy and building a great product that someone would want to share. So like on social media, we respond to every single comment, question, um, and we respond to all emails within an hour, two hours max. And like really um, kind of encouraging our customers to share their experience on social media, um, ways with like unpackaging or the way that we talk to them. Um, and so um, kind of, you know, so uh, uh, I also summarize uh, uh, customer experience. Uh, you ask uh, customers to share their experience and uh, uh, they use social media, they can find you easily. But uh, the, one of the main uh, thing I, I think you briefly mentioned is uh, the uh, like product validation or market validation. So I guess to win, uh, you've done something. Uh, so they accepted this product as a wow. So what, what was the process uh, in terms of winning the hearts and minds? Like, uh, did, did you build the product and they were uh, like, wow, right away? Or you had some interaction, interactions, uh, you know, to get to this uh, wow effect? What, what yeah, was the so Just going back to like the beginning and early days, um, when we started the company and we built the site, um, we were really, I was super naive and we were like, we built a really cool product and site and um, now all the customers will come and flood in. And um, there were weeks where it was definitely completely crickets. So um, we didn't even have like customers to like talk to or build off of, even if we had that wait list. And so like that go-to market strategy in the beginning is really important. Um, and then what happened from there is like, I started reaching out to press. So different people who, you know, wrote about direct consumer products or wrote about something in a sleep space and, then after scoring those first articles, I remember my first one was like Business Insider. That was how we got our, you know, first real type of initial customers. And from there in the beginning, you know, um, just a little bit of background. After you take the questionnaire on our side, we can create over 35 variations of pillows that feel really different from one another. But in the beginning, it was only 25 variations. And so we went through this process of like when customers ordered, we reached out right away. Um, uh, and then after two weeks and said, hey, how was your experience? Like, I'm the CEO. I'd love to learn more about how, you know, your pillow was. How did you feel about the questionnaire process? Because here's how it works now. And then from their feedback, actually listening to them and then updating, you know, our products and process as we went along and actually sharing these updates with them as well. Like, hey, like, you know, here's what we've done since then. Really involving them in the process was um, important to us. And um uh, I felt like because of that, they, you know, the person who, like, I remember our very first customer, his name was um, Aldrin, and um, <laughs> he still talks to us to this very day, um, and is a very, like, a true advocate of our brand. So identifying later on, like, who are your advocates? Um, we wouldn't even say, like, they're influencers. It's just, like, each customer, like, has the ability to share with, like, their, like, 10 closest people and that has been like the, our, our number one driver, almost like, you know, one in every four customers now come from an existing customer referral. Amazing. And how much time do you think it, it took for you to understand like, okay, I kind of know that customers love our product now. It took, I, I think it took a year. I would say a it year. took a year. Yeah. Because um, in the beginning, it was like, you know, we were really happy when we got like, of like three or four orders. And then, um, and then like kind of 
it, there was this point after, especially actually after 500, where we had to completely shut down all of our advertising and everything just because of COVID. And we were kind of uncertain about how customers would react to purchasing, you know, this isn't a cheap, you know, product. It's pretty expensive. And so at that time when we shut down all marketing and we had to shut down our facility here because of COVID, we still saw the same amount of orders come in. And that was when like, I kind of knew like, wow, like, you know, we don't, that's not something that we have to really depend on. Um, we, we were, we're okay on FOSS and based off of like our current customer sharing about us. Yeah. Maybe like, it's a good kind of segue to talk about pandemic for D2C products, right? Like any strategy, like what happened basically, it slowed down all the processes for you, production, operations, uh, orders probably, or not. Like I would love to hear your story. What happened during pandemic and are there any tools, advice you would give to the audience, especially to the uh, founders who build their D2C products, how to navigate during this remote uh, times of pandemic? Yeah, um, I think like last year they were saying that uh, e-commerce was up 42%. So it was a huge boom. And because of that, there were problems just all throughout, whether it was like, um, whether it was like now there's like less cardboard for packaging um, and there were delays on getting like just packaging material. Mm -hmm. And then if you have some component for us, one of the components came from Asia, for instance, like that was completely, you know, sh shut down and everything um, here in the US, like even the weather this last month, right in Texas, we have some plants that produced our foam cores, they had to completely shut down. So in that case, we're still kind of working through these like inventory restraints that pop up here and there just because of the circumstances. But it's really like um, forecasting out way even more than expected and like putting that cushion in between um, and for these unexpectancies. Um, for us, we've been really lucky. I think um, since the pandemic hit, there's been this hyper focus on like comfort and sleep. You're spending more time at home. So like particularly the home categories have been doing really well. And um, we haven't, you know, like people don't really want to go out right now and like touch and feel pillows. So like we want to be the best way to buy a pillow online. So we haven't seen a slowdown at all. In fact, we still, you know, like had triple digit growth from, from, from 2019. Um, so we've been really lucky in that regard for sure. Got it, got it. Cool. And um, yeah, let's talk about expensive part, <laughs> about <laughs> <eating> economics. <laughs> um, so as you said, it is expensive, right, to, to kind of find your product market fit, to, to find the right marketing campaigns. Like, talk a bit about unit economics for D2C businesses, like how to identify them, how much time did it take for you, what tools did you use or strategies? Um, yeah. Yeah, um, you, for us, it was, um, I, you have to figure out how often people buy your product. So there are some brands that are subscription based, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily have to make money on the first purchase. For us, you don't replace your pillow that often. So you're supposed to replace it every 12 to 18 months. That That is, um, that is kind of what's recommended. But it's not like a lot of other direct consumer brands where it's, um, it's more, you know, like maybe they buy every month or two months. Um, so figure out how often people buy your product um, because like your unit economics has to work out as for us. It has to, we have to make money on the first sale. Um, and so you have to see like, what is like the healthiest margin you can build in order to like build in, you know, that marketing. It's so like going back to our mistake, right? Even if you have like, we didn't have a lot of venture capital to start off with or anything like that at all. So we had to just like build a healthy business from the get-go. Um, it's so dangerous to start low on pricing, feel like you have a business and then realize you don't have enough money to pay the bills and that you actually don't have product market fit at a higher price where you have to survive. So really figuring that out and building that margin, it's better to start a little higher and then adjust accordingly from then. For me, one of the mistakes I made in the beginning was I priced too low in the beginning and it was so hard to kind of come back up. And it was actually through 500 that 
I realized that you guys have been telling me, for instance, that like you're pricing it way too low um, and you have to like be able to, you know, build in that in order to like, you know, um, direct to consumer. One of the things it's like, there's economies of scale as you grow, as you can buy more materials and things like that, but it doesn't scale quite like SaaS with growth and with more, you know, more products you have, like you have to pay more rent for more space. You have to buy more inventory. You have to have more people and operations. So as long you have to really build in that healthy margin um, and it's best to do it from the get-go. Yep, product um, because like your unit economics has to. Oh, I think there is some delay. Daniel, All right, uh, so uh, my question is uh, about sales. Uh, um, and you know, uh, the, uh, it's easy to speak about sales when you have already like funding and the team and everything, but uh, what about first 10 sales? How did you uh, do it? first 10 sales? Uh, what were the challenges and how did you succeed? Yeah, um, we had a lot of challenges around that. As I mentioned, we didn't really have a strong go-to-market strategy in the beginning. So um, for us, what we did was we just relied on press in the beginning. So pitching to different journalists um, and seeing if like we can get some initial customers that way. So I would say like, it depends on your audience and brand and product. But in the beginning, if you can like, you know, start garnering that wait list of people who would actually buy like through like some Facebook ads and, you know, that landing page I talked about. Um, and then that, you know, really starting off like in the beginning, even building some of that SEO in it. Um, so um, I, I would say that to get your first 10 sales, um, our first 10 sales took a while. So I think like it was only like, we could only go uphill from there. So um, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and extra I, I know possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know um, a lot of our attendees, um, they are based in different countries, right? But many of them strategically potentially considering to go and start selling in the US market, and uh, not necessarily doing it right at the moment. Um, so any tips on like, uh, how to sell in the US, how to launch this process, and even like launch your product and business in the US? Yeah. That's, um, that's something kind of we touched on in the beginning too, but it's like having a pulse on the things that are happening here and depending on your customer, what is the consumer behavior here of the target audience that, that, that you feel are the first ones to buy your product, tailor messaging around that. Um, and then trying to like, you know, build in that cultural relevancy. But in the beginning, it's like for us also, like once you do launch, then you have to like, start reiterating as fast as possible too, um, depending on like how people perceive your products, like um, how traction is going. Um, but yeah, I, I would say like in the beginning, you know, do your best to like tailor your message, know your audience. And then once you do launch, like quickly reiterate from there. Cause I think a lot of things could change um, that, that you may not, you know, expect in the beginning. Any specifics like you learned on your example for DTC uh, product and US customers, like maybe something that wouldn't work in other countries or vice versa? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, that's a little bit of a hard one um, because let's see, like for one, for instance, like we, um, I, there are some countries that maybe like there are people who may not really care so much about like why are you creating a custom pillow so it may not be relevant for another place um, uh, where like for here and we've been seeing like this growth and this focus on sleep right and then like how better sleep means like the best me that I can perform the next day and so like there's been that really intense focus here which is like what helped us be able to like launch her product and find that product market fit here. Yeah. So having a pulse on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of product market fit, it's uh, clear. Uh, but now, uh, especially at uh, 2020, 2021, we can see that uh, more and more companies, uh, early stage companies, are building communities around their brands. Mm. So 
what where you stand with communities? Do you have your own community? I'm sure you or you have. And uh, how did you do this? How did you select people? Who would you uh, select as your ambassadors, for example, and why? Yeah, um, our our key customers, like the, the ones that are our advocates are part of our community. And I think like this word is kind of really heavily loaded in that um, people think like, just because like, you know, people talk to you on, leave a lot of comments in your social media and things like that's like all community. And that's part of it too. But it's more of like, um, who are the people who, you know, you're on the same side on. And so like you're building your brand about like what we talked about earlier, like the same values of why we started, right? Like we're not actually the right pillow for everybody, but this is the reason why we started. And then like fostering that connection with those first few customers and early advocates, um, you have to be really great at like telling your story and, you know, being on the same side with consumers around that. Um, we don't have like, you know, per se, like a blog or anything like that, or, or we, we don't involve, you know, people who talk about their pillows all day. But for us, it's like, um, we were able to create something where like people do want to share us around like, the dinner table and things like, Hey, like, have you heard about this pillow company? And like, and it's all about, because like we talk to customers the way that, you know, we're on the same side as them. So through all channels consistently. Um, so, you know, obviously Facebook, Instagram, um, email and all of that. Um, yeah, I, I would say that, but we're, we're also still working on creating that community around our product, especially we're just one product now. So it's a little bit hard. And like this year, we have more products launching, which would really help elevate our brand even more. So you mm -hmm. said you would say it's critical to have a strong community around. Your... Oh, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, in terms of uh, first steps uh, to the market, uh, everyone uh, never heard of your name or your team or yourself uh, some, uh, in most of the cases. And uh, once you have supporters around you at early stage when everybody's questioning, like, is it really working? Is it really good? Does it worth to pay so much money? I mean, uh, so many questions and uh, uh, you building this trust on the first steps. Absolutely agree that having community around your brand is absolutely uh, another strategic step, like even like sales and marketing strategic step, I would call it like that. Yeah, for, for, for us, it was... Um, it was really important for us to like create a great product from the get-go first. Um, and then like, you know, seeing who our customers, you know, really truly are after we launched and then like, just like going straight to like um, really targeting more folks like them. Um, and, you know, one of the pitfalls is like, you know, it, it takes time. It, it takes a lot of time for, for direct consumer companies to actually build a brand and actually build trust with their customers. So that's kind of one of the hard things about direct to consumer too. Yeah, absolutely. I, we have a few uh, more questions before we open it up to the audience to ask their questions. So uh, just a reminder for everyone who, who joined us today, feel free to ask your questions. You can easily type them in the group chat or you can even unmute yourself and ask your question live and then um, Susanna actually has something prepared for you. So at the end of our talk, she'll choose one person um, who asked, um, in her opinion, uh, the best question. And she, she, she has prepared something for that person. So please be active and start asking your questions. And um, I kind of want to switch from talking about the product and brand um, mm -hmm. to kind of entrepreneurial part of fundraising, right? Especially fundraising for D2C businesses, right? Because um, in a way, like uh, here in D2C businesses, it's so important to show like, you know, that customers love your product and you have significant traction before investors actually will believe like, okay, this is something we want to invest. This is venture backable business, right? Because there are so many D2C products and it's very easy to kind of um, miss it and, and kind of um, identify whether it's lifestyle business versus venture backable business, right? Tell us your story, like how was fundraising process for you? Have you started raising your capital 
like right when you launched or even before was it challenging for you how did you approach that process yeah for us we definitely bootstrapped for the first you know year of our business just trying to see if we have a business here um it was important for us to do that um before we even wanted to you know leverage venture capital in that way um i would say like there's nothing wrong with having a lifestyle business i feel like that word is also kind of you know uh used in 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 a certain way but um you know it's probably best for some products um but the the thing is you have to have a big market right the what investors are looking for you have to have a big market broad appeal there's got to be something in terms of like the brand traction so one of the things that you talked about with us before kate was that um you know it was there was a great product and that traction like you have to be able to show that traction um and you have to be like how are you defensible then you know we have you know for us it's like um we have a patent around the way that we create our pillows as well as the process but it's also combining that with like what's even harder to replicate it's not only just the process but it's the brand that you're ultimately going to create as well so again you know combining that functional and emotional element of this direct consumer business is so important um there's also this new type of like direct consumer wave right like we've seen a lot of direct consumer companies raise a lot of money and then kind of fizzle out and because of that you know the media has been really showing these stories more and there haven't been like exciting exits really like you see in SaaS for direct consumer um companies so there's this thing that's not super talked about where um there are a lot of scrappier brands who started off bootstrapping in the beginning not raising a bucket load of venture capital first taking time to build that brand that foster um fostering that customer obsession and brand love like we talked about starting sometimes niche and then going more mainstream and broad and not being super reliant on the facebook instagram ads um but actually having that organic growth. Um so something is to be said about finding that product market fit early on and raising capital a little bit later and being very careful about not raising it at too high of a price cuz you could end up spending so many years catching up to like an inflated, you know, private market valuation. Um right now I could share that like after we bootstrapped for a year plus, we got into 500 after that we did digital demo day we were able to raise a pre-seed and um i'm hoping to share some exciting news soon but like we're also raising our seed and we're about to close um a, a, a round here so excited to share that more congrats yeah excited to to wow. hear this news as well <laughs> uh but speaking of uh, a little bit more on fundraising side so you said you first started bootstrapping like yep. what are the strategies did you did you launch a crowdfunding campaign or how did you bootstrap at first yeah we did not do the crowdfunding stuff uh, at all um it depends on your product um for us there were just a lot of like um products close to us in the space who started with crowdfunding but that didn't super deliver so like there's that kind of stigma um we just created the sites and made sure again that like our unit economics works out um to start like just you know we were just kind of going off of like our own cash in the beginning to start off with and um using all of our money to funnel that into like a small marketing campaign here and there and things like that. So no, it was a super slow burn. Yeah, it was hard in the beginning. Mhm. And uh you mentioned like you went to 500 and that's basically when your fundraising process uh started picking up the momentum. Would you recommend uh founders who build their D2C uh products and companies to apply to accelerators? Like what was your experience uh going through 500? Was it helpful specifically to the company that you're building, right? Uh was it helpful in in what way? Was it helpful more with fundraising or growth? share us um, a bit more about your experience going through accelerator. Yeah, um we joined in November 2019 um and then we graduated March 2020. Um for us it was definitely I was so we are based in Los Angeles like I mentioned and um I moved all the way to 
SF for the first couple of with 500 to join 500 for the next couple of months. Um, I think accelerators are super helpful. I am biased, um, especially now that I'm here on this webinar, but um, be really clear about why you are joining. Like, what are your goals? Because it could be so easy to get distracted. For us, it was like three main reasons. I didn't have a network. I didn't have a network of like other founders. Um, I, I, I guess like I need to get out more, but um, I did not have um, that network of like, you know, who do I reach out to and like, um, you know, mentors. Um, so that's what, what I wanted, A. And then second is like out of the box growth tactics for the business. Like we, 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 we know like there are things that like you could, you could kind of like Google advice on like how to get started. But 500 was really the place where like from our mentors, we learned a lot about like, you know, these cool strategies that we could use um, to, 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 um, you know, hit our weekly growth goals like every week, right? And we were really hold accountable to that. And then third is um, fundraising. So for sure, I didn't, you know, know how to fundraise um, at all when we first joined 500 and then, um, you know, that was really big on like, you know, fostering, you know, they, you guys helped us with some connections, you guys helped us like run a process. So that has all been really helpful. So be very, very clear about why you are joining and then how you're going to measure those goals as the weeks goes on. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I have another question. Um, and I think we are ready to wrap it up and let the audience uh, to ask their questions. Uh, um, while I'm asking these questions, everyone, uh, don't forget to like, share our streams on YouTube and Facebook, uh, and uh, also subscribe to, uh, to us on Clubhouse and uh, to all our social media. But uh, I would like to finish this uh, session uh, with uh, a challenging question, uh, and I cannot uh, avoid uh, not asking this. I mean, I have to ask this question. It's <laughs> about fuck-ups. Like, tell us the truth. Where you failed. Every founder fails uh, because uh, you can't be an entrepreneur without your scars of entrepreneurship. I call it like that. <laughs> so what are your scars? Tell us the truth and how did you overcome them uh, on a personal level on, and on a business level? Yeah, I have so much to share. So prior to Pluto, I had some scars also because um, uh, in college, I started a bamboo toilet paper company um, called Cora. It became um, a really cool company, but like it, it did really well, um, but I, I sold it after two to three years. But you'll see that like no matter what you start, there's no perfect company and F-ups will happen. So put yourself in a good mental state for like when those do happen that you can handle it. Um, for me, so on the business side, um, for us, we've been pretty lucky, but like in the beginning, for sure, we priced way too low. Bootstrapping is so hard. We hired the wrong people and um, we hired the wrong people. And it's uh, now it's like, you know, hire a little slower, find the right people, even like no matter the position, right? Like, I feel like that's really important. Um, not communicating well with remote, you know, employees too. Um, sometimes I feel, you know, we've learned a lot about like along the way of like how to like be as, you know, talk over communicate is better, you know, especially in these times than um, to to think about like oh like you know under communicating or did I did I say that um, clearly? So be very clear about that. Um, I also look at like, you know, this topic is about sustainable scalability, but I look at it also in a personal way as well. In that like, when you start a company, it's just like all about the company and you kind of start pushing away like your family, your friends, um, yeah. and you get very anxious, you lose track of time. Um, and I found out, you know, I wasn't being super present around the people that I cared about a lot. Um, that was a big F up for me. Um, one thing that I enjoyed a lot is like cars and music. And I completely just turned that off to focus on the business. I think sometimes it does take that in the early days to get to a level, but like be mindful of that and that like that's not sustainable. And I am still working on that now, to be honest. It's a work in progress. Um, but it is something that 
I am trying to, you know, find ways to overcome, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's like taking some time off, like on a couple of hours on a Sunday to, to spend time with my family and just like shut off the phone and everything. Um, and yeah, and like, you have to find your ways to different, different ways for different people to, to overcome them. So, yeah. Thank you so much. It's actually, I mean, it makes it, uh, a very um, you know personal conversation uh, on such webinars because when founders share this kind of experience, it's not like you know about a success story. I mean, we all founders and we all fail at some point, but then what makes us successful because we can stand up and keep going and find our own way, and it's actually great. And as an outcome out of uh, this uh, quick uh, sessions of this first part we had. To me, I, you actually uh, just really inspire, inspired me as a founder when you talked about uh, your customers, how you actually personally went after each single customer and built community out of it. To me, that's, uh, that's it for the, today's webinar as a like, main outcome. I would, I would want to take, that would be like one of the main uh, important learning and I want this one to be highlighted for the audience. So thanks for sharing this. It's super, super useful, I think. Um, yeah, I yeah, we can also talk, you know, more offline. I'm happy to like, you know, share my email with everyone. I know we only had a, a couple of minutes and sometimes I get super excited and um, I, I'm happy to go in more details with anybody who has any questions and personally share what has worked, what has not worked for us too. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Feel free, Susanna, to, to write down your email here in the chat. And we'll also follow up with everyone who are SVP'd and join this event. After all, sharing your contact information, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so, let's move to the uh, questions uh, part. Um, and uh, uh, so, uh, just a quick comment on what you just said, Susanna. Uh, if you uh, would like to, uh, you know, you have to even share your email, but you can. Uh, you can actually continue chatting with the community members on our global network. So I shared with everyone our links. And uh, so this is how founders from around the world help other founders. And uh, this is where you guys can connect on LinkedIn, Facebook, Telegram, and so on. So um, um, I, I think we are ready to start the questions part. Everyone uh, in the audience on Clubhouse, on YouTube, on Facebook, and here on Zoom, uh, please ask your questions. Uh, if you're on Zoom, please ask your questions in Q&A part, uh, and we will uh, read those questions to Susanna. And those who would like to speak and ask a question verbally, just raise your hand, and we'll let you speak. So you can speak on Clubhouse, and you can speak on um, Zoom. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll take the first question, uh, and uh, it's an anonymous question. How do you, do you keep yourself from burning out? You partially answered that question. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good question because we we were talking about kind of unit economics and, and yeah. burn uh, so from a business perspective, right? But actually, let's talk about a personal one. Yeah, like especially, you know, every founder goes through this highs and lows and it's so easy to kind of become, you know, overwhelmed and burn out and lose the motivation and energy to continue, you know, growing your business and moving forward. Any tips you personally use to prevent yourself from burning out? Yeah, for me, um, everyone's really different. Um, for me, I actually have like a toolbox of things that have kind of helped me that I write down actually, um, especially since COVID hit. Um, one of the things is like, I, I do try to actively like one day a week for a couple of hours, do not really focus on work and go out and actually experience like nature or do something entirely different. Um, so I would like, you know, watch an F1 race and completely forget about the company. Um, I meditate every day. I think everybody does at this point. But that has been really helpful for me. Um, I love music. So I listen to EDM a lot. That has been really helpful in terms of like just keeping me um, 
kind of saying, like identify what your hobbies are outside of the company because you are more than your company um, at the end of the day. And so like really, and, and carve out time for that because like when you do do that and find ways that work for you to take care of yourself, that only makes you a better leader and it only helps the company in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah, I love Thank meditating as well. <laughs> I keep meditating <laughs> since I become entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay i think we have another question and uh, just for the audience when you ask your questions make sure you you put your name so we know who asked that but um here someone is asking how long or when did it feel like you found the product market fit how did mm. you know basically and when um yeah it was um it was i think it was like close to i would say I, I said like a year earlier. So like, but I would say like close to like after a couple of months when you see press talking about you and when you see those initial customers come in that like you weren't really doing like forced growth on like Facebook and Instagram, but they're coming from like someone who says, I heard about you from a friend. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, I, I heard about you from a friend, someone told me about your product. Um, it took, it took, I would say it took about like six to eight months, but I have a very high standard of like, how do you know when you have product market fit? So it could have been earlier for my co-founder and he was like, oh, but for me, I was like, I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if we're like forcing it. Um, and it's until people talk about you online, until I saw the stat about like, oh, like one in about one in every four to five or, or customer referrals. That's when I knew. It took a couple months. Perfect. All right, I see the next question here. Uh, actually, a great question we didn't talk about today. How did you find your suppliers and manufacturers? And where they yeah. are, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so we, um, so our product is built on two kind of main components. Um, we all know there's like memory foam type of pillows, there's like hotel plush types. Um, and then we combine both of these to create different variations. Um, for us, for like, the 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 inner core portion i actually looked at a ton of um existing foam product suppliers in the u.s there's actually only a few but the way i did was i bought so many pillows because i was actually testing pillows for my own so i had to return like seven different pillows before finding the right one but looking at even like the tag and then like seeing like the number like the manufacturer's number and looking online and seeing like okay like this number what does it mean and then finding those manufacturers and actually like calling them and um telling them about like what you're trying to create and then like really then like kind of having them invest in like your vision and your idea because in the beginning it's like why would i supply like a couple products to this like one person like it doesn't make sense um and so like really trying to have them buy into your idea if like for us the other component that i talked about is like the fibers where like we would have to go like overseas and stuff and for that like i even for the bamboo toilet paper before, like what I did was um, I, I connected with a bunch of people on like different, you know, there's like Alibaba and there's all these sites. And then like, you would then just kind of actually cold email all of these and seeing, talk to each one to see what fits um, for your business. So, yeah. So let's see other platforms if you have any questions. Um, uh, though, uh, everyone on Clubhouse, you guys can raise your hand and we can let you speak. And on Zoom, uh, you guys also can raise your hand and we can let you speak. We have one question from Igor Shlonsky. How long does it take for a customer, uh, 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 consumer, so, sorry, how long does it take for a consumer product to get noticed? Uh, and please give some examples. How long does it take for it to get noticed? So it depends what you do. For us, it took two months or so just because like I was pitching to press. So um, that was when like, when you start getting one article, it's easier to get like two or three or four afterwards because if there's like this like new and upcoming thing, right? So like that was when um, it took about like two months for people to like get the buzz and like like realize who who we are um but um i could share those articles that were written about us in the beginning um but yeah it's it. two months right um in my opinion uh, i would just add that because i've seen like thousands of entrepreneurs i think there is a magic number six months 
when you mm. work hard, like, I mean, really hard, uh, and uh, nothing is happening. And uh, after six months, all of a sudden, like you see the results of people actually go after you and you don't really understand like why they're going after you were doing so much work for six months and nobody responding to you or like ignoring you. And all of a sudden you're, you're not doing much. And then and people reaching out with a lot of interest. That's I'm witnessing uh, in many uh, companies, including my own ones. And so uh, my own answer to this is uh, just keep doing what you do for six months hard, then you'll see the results. <laughs> yeah, there's a tipping point, right? Where yeah. like that, that sort of like starts to happen. And then like, you just got to have that resiliency throughout in the beginning, especially, and especially in direct to consumer. Yeah, it's a kind of hidden market test for yourself <laughs> as a founder. <Yeah. laughs> I see another question from Gina Renee. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Um, did you uh, do, do? Did you experience imposter syndrome? And if so, how do you deal with it? Um, 110% yes. I'm experiencing it right now to this day. Um, I, I, um, I think like there's always going to be, especially for, I think like for, for female founders, um, there's always that really heavy kind of like, um, how do I know that like I, I, I could do this? And there's really not like one right answer for me. Like, I just feel like as I'm taking more and more on these, like these challenges and even this webinar, it's like, you know, I, I just telling myself that like, you know, that belief that you have that you, you, you can do it and like just actually doing it and like proving it to yourself um, has been like, for me, really helpful. Um, but honestly, like to this day, I, I still experience it. And like, really, I just want to share that, like, you know, if I could do this or what I've even done so far, um, anyone can. Yeah. Perfect. All right. yeah. Uh, Thank you. I think uh, we, we have more questions, but I would, uh, I, I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, and uh, I think uh, you guys can continue asking questions, Susanna, on our global chats uh, on Facebook, Telegram, and LinkedIn. Um, uh, Susanna, what? thank you so much for your uh, excellent talk. And before we finish this uh, talk, uh, um, I would like you and um, Kate, you guys think of your final, uh, you know, um, um, words of wisdom or the way you want to wrap this session up. And before you do this, I'll show a few slides to the audience so people will be aware of our upcoming uh, upcoming uh, events, if you guys uh, don't mind. Just give Absolutely. Me and I just wanted to kind of read what Gina uh, wrote here. She said, thank you so much for your answer, Susanna. Great talk, really informative. Thank so you. thank you. And yeah, I think uh, after that, we also will choose, we'll ask Susanna to choose the, the question she would like to, to give a um, give away <laughs> to. Thank you. Uh, so can you guys see my screen? But, um, yeah, now we can. All right. So uh, I just wanted to say a few words about the coming events. We'll have monthly founders, founders meetup uh, uh, every first Friday of each month. So this month we'll have this uh, meetup uh, and you can meet founders from around the world. Um, uh, we would have uh, a few webinars for Russian speaking audience uh, with uh, there will be uh, venture fund uh, managing partner of the venture fund Port Ross from Silicon Valley. He will be speaking uh, uh, about how how to get from Reno to a unicorn. Uh, might be an interesting conversation for those who speak Russian. And also the other there is another Russian one: how to enter U.S. market and get uh, five or seven place in uh, by uh, uh, by the uh, rate of growth. Um, uh, we, we keep doing webinars uh, with uh, different countries' ecosystems, and uh, this time we are planning to do uh, a, a detailed webinar with Lithuania startup ecosystem, and we will dive into why this uh, ecosystem is um, unique and, uh, what, and what specific advantages can bring for entrepreneurs. Uh, we already had one about Estonia, uh, about Australia, 
Uh, we are planning to do about other countries uh, and uh, this time might be very interesting. So feel free to join us and ask questions. Maybe this ecosystem might be useful for you. Uh, same, within, uh, same meetups we do in Russian every third Friday of the month. And uh, those who would like to get to uh, a calendar invites uh, to our events, just scan this QR code. And uh, if you use Eventbrite and uh, you want to be notified about our coming events, just scan this QR code or just Google Go Global World on Eventbrite or uh, other like uh, search engines like Google. Uh, and uh, uh, you'll find uh, uh, everything related to our community. Thank you so much. Um, I think we are ready for the uh, winner selection and uh, final statements. Exciting part. Susanna. <laughs> wow. Okay. They're all like anonymous. So <laughs> I'm like, oh. maybe you, you choose the question and then the person who asked it will let us know who that was. Yeah, I guess like the one that I really like is like how long or when did it feel like you found product market fit? Because that's like a big conversation um, that I, I think like it could, it depends on the brand and I, I'd love to dive more into that. So I'm happy to, you know, help with like some office hours of, of, of and also a giveaway for a Pluto fellow. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> so reach us out who uh, actually uh, so text in the chat your name and your contact and uh, we can reach out and give you this prize uh, because you didn't use your name. Uh, it's anonymous attendee. So let us know your name and contact details so we can reach out. If you don't share it right now, we probably won't be able to uh, <laughs> give you the prize because it's, it's kind of uh, very strange. A great question, but you're not anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know now if you're still here with us. Uh, yeah. Just uh, reach out in this chat and see yeah. who that was. All right. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, let's let's do this. Uh, let's wrap this up. Kate, what would be your final words uh, of wisdom for the audience? I wanted to give it all to Susanna, but just want to thank everyone who joined us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, we would love to continue this initiative. You know, we would love to continue connecting entrepreneurs from around the world with our um, alumni who went through the program, uh, 500 program and continue, you know, building their successful uh, companies and also sharing their personal story and any hurdles that they had to go through. Uh, we actually have our next speaker. Uh, we will be announcing them soon, but I just mark your calendar. The next event will happen on April 8th. Uh, and we will be talking about um, acquisitions and how to sell your company. So April 8th, uh, see, you, see you all pretty much in a month. And thank you so much for joining. Susanna, the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for joining on this webinar. If I could be helpful in any way, please email me, Susanna, at plutopillow.com. And um, I just wanted to share that, like, you know, if, again, if I can do it and I, I just, I don't even really super live in, you know, a big city or anything. And I didn't know anyone um, in, you know, the founder space. If I could do it, you could totally do it and you could do it better. Um, this is also like this webinar was like what worked for us, but also be very discerning about like who you get information from too and what would actually work for your business at the end of the day. Like once you start off and you get to know your customers and your brand and products, like, you know, your business better than anybody else so that's all thank you so much everyone thank you so much and that was uh, Susanna Saliu and Kate Solidetz and myself Daniel Kislinski and this is 500 uh, uh, Go Global Series with 500 Startups Alumni and we're going to continue every single month Better stay with us and the more events will come so the announcement will fall thank you so much great conversation and see you soon thank you bye guys thank you. see you soon everyone thank you